Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tom Bernard Show with Andy Rampernard, Dave Schrader, Mike Molina, and Rafter Vashram D, the Hackmaster. We shall be right back. God, I love Leslie Visser. We'll be right back right after this Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional body work costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. What song is that? It's uh, the Black Keys. Oh, lonely is. Boy, yeah. And a Lonely Boy. There you go. Yeah, I was just talking uh, to 
Catherine about Leslie Visser and uh, how she broke all those barriers. And, of course, as a 19-year-old, she kept hearing, oh, good, now we have some little girl coming in here to take away a man's job so he can't feed his family. Man. <laughs> Can you imagine hearing that? That that had to be a tough road to hoe right there. A tough road to hoe, but she toughened, she, she toughed it out and she fought through it all. She is uh, She's as good as it gets, no yeah. doubt about yeah. that. She's a good reporter, obviously. Otherwise, yeah. she wouldn't it, it, she wouldn't have been successful. She right. had to be better no. than most of the men. But yet there are still morons in the league like Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is that. I, I can't talk to him. What did, what did he say this year again? No, the, a female beat writer asked him about uh, right. a wide receiver's routes, like how he's adapted to running routes. And he came back and he's like, that's weird to hear a woman talking about running routes or something. That's was, what it was. Yeah. Weird to hear a woman talking about running routes. Well, he, at least he wore his goofy hats, so that's good. <laughs> but, um, you know, well, I'm sure you guys have been through this. But seriously, the first time I met Leslie Visser quite some time ago, she it shocked the hell out of me that she knew who I was. But I think that's why she was so successful is she knows who everyone is, and she knows who – who are, who are the friendlies are and who the enemies are. You know, that's why she was so successful. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily appreciate the fact she keeps telling me, oh, yeah, he retired a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Leslie. Well, everybody's got to know who you are when they're coming to do radio in, in Minnesota, Tom. You're kind of a juggernaut. Well, in Minnesota, but, I mean, she, I don't know. She's just, she's unbelievable. Yeah. She's an amazing woman. Then she and Michelle Tafoya are very, very good friends, which I didn't know until uh, the book came out. I didn't know that the, the two of them were hmm. friends. I had no idea, but now I do. So, you know, was Michelle with CBS for a while? Maybe they, they met there. Maybe got to know each other there. I think that's about the only place she she didn't she never work, or maybe that was ABC. Yeah, I think. Well, she was on CBS Radio, so uh, huh. yeah, so maybe she was on CBS Television as well, because uh, she. I think she worked pretty, yeah, pretty amazing. Um, remember back in the day, and this kind of made me think uh, of it again, uh, what what she probably did is follow. She had no one to follow. She was the very first in all those things. But what she did, I think, is followed people who thought clearly and, and did business clearly and had success. Um, we don't do that any longer. Remember when people used to pay attention? You know, this this person really knows what they're talking about. They're very successful. They didn't lie or cheat or steal to get ahead. They did it the right way. They're, they're probably smart. Maybe I should emulate them. Remember when that was kind of the thought? Yeah. Yeah. And we don't do that any longer. I don't know why we don't. But I will tell you what. There was a statement that came out uh, yesterday from from Warren Buffett that I really admire. Berkshire Hathaway Chief Executive Warren Buffett said it would be ridiculous for the conglomerate not to do business with gunmakers, noting that he doesn't want to impose his political views on Berkshire's investment decisions or business operations. That's a brilliant statement from a brilliant man, right? Yeah. I mean, why would I let my political opinions impose on on Berkshire Hathaway's business? It makes no sense. Yeah. American corporations have generally stayed away from politically sensitive debates, but some companies have assessed their exposure to gun-related issues or scaled back ties with the National Rifle Association. Following a Florida high school shooting and pressure from students at the school, Berkshire doesn't own any gun manufacturers, he said on CNBC, but there is no rule that they wouldn't. 
I think what the kids are doing is very admirable, but I don't think Berkshire should say we're not going to do business with people who own guns, Mr. Buffett said on CNBC. I think that would be ridiculous. The Omaha billionaire covered a number of other subjects during a CNBC interview Monday from recent struggles as well at Wells Fargo and Company and Berkshire's ownership of airlines to a new health care initiative and Berkshire's cash pile. Cash reached $116 billion at the end of 2017, and pressure is mounting on Berkshire to return capital to shareholders. I, um, one of the problems that I have, and I use his business all the time, I, I shop at Whole Foods and I shop on Amazon, but Jeff Bezos is one of the most annoying human beings on earth. That Why? guy sticks his nose in every... The, just the statements that he makes, the things he does, he's just an annoying human being. And I don't know, maybe he's just one of those people that rubs me the wrong way. Uh, he, he, he will stick his political views in everyone's face. But is that right? because he's asked? Uh, you you got to no. remember, a lot of times when people are in power or they have sway, they're asked so often, how do you feel yeah. about this? Where are you putting your money in alliance? I think a lot of the times that these people that we get so irritable with when they chime in with their political views and thoughts it's because this is what they're conditioned to they're asked so many times that they think oh this is really what people want to know this is the relevance of of who i am and because of my status in society they want to know where i Mm -hmm. weigh in on this and how my money is going why do you think it is that warren buffett thought ahead on this then because he obviously thought ahead before he was asked the question i don't i don't know that he thought ahead i think he he's coming from a basic uh, business philosophy that underpins everything that he does. And when someone asks him a question like that, he says, well, the philosophy mm, is this. I is it, why would I, you know, the, the, the business philosophy for Berkshire Hathaway is that politics or political views should not be in, involved in deci- business decisions because it's not good for business or it may not be good for business. Maybe great, maybe not. But, it, you know, you can't take that chance. So you have to ba- base it on a good economic reasoning and a study before you make a business decision. So... Yeah, right. But, Businesses can't yeah. afford to be red or blue, right? They have to afford. They've they've got to be down the down the middle. They've got to do what they have to do, and they can have the individuals that run it can have positions and points. But when you start alienating half of your audience or half of your right. consumership, you know, uh, it puts it out there. Now, what is the way everybody teaches us? If you want to hurt somebody that you disagree with, take the money away from them. If you know, mm-hmm. let's let's not go see Weinstein movies anymore. All of a sudden, you've got all these independent producers scrambling to get their movies resold to other distribution channels because right. we're going to hurt those movies because they're a Weinstein property. So you don't back them with the money. So I understand where a lot of these companies come from, that they have to be cautious with the way they they deal with um, sensitive situations like this. You know, where do you, where do you draw the line? You can't really publicly acknowledge one way or another and hey god love you if you do if you say this is your beliefs and this is where you stand behind it but then you have to understand how that can affect your business yeah chick-fil-a right, right exactly that's what I, that's that's what i'm saying about jeff bezos he he is more than happy to alienate everybody well he did why the washington post which is an extremely far left publication yeah well that's one of the moves that he made right there and, that, and that's i think Andy, exactly what i'm talking about um he lets it be known. I, I just—he just seems to pander to me. Do you think that's the wrong viewpoint? Do you think that I'm mistaken? Huh. Uh, that he just panders too much? I mean, the guy's the richest man in the world. He's worth 121 billion dollars. Right. So maybe in some cases he thinks the world could benefit from his thoughts and ideas. I mean, maybe that's the whole point. Is you know, here, here's here's where it comes down to. We don't all have to agree, but you want to know why am I a success? Why is this? 
And, and what does that tell you when some of these guys that are so successful are able to do it and, and they're open about it? I'd much rather have an open-ended guy who, who lets you know where he stands than somebody who you're always wondering what kind of skunk works he's got going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's, right. He's, he's wealthy not because of his political views. No, but I'm just saying he's still willing to yeah. admi- you know to be open with this is what I do, this is who I am. He's not hiding okay. that aspect of his of his uh, portfolio, right? I mean he's he's just being who he is. And you think, well, you know, if you're going to be successful, this is what I do, this is who I am, and how I got to be where I am. No, no, that's how he is. It's not necessarily how he got to be there. And how he got to be there, you know, may or may not have anything to do with his political beliefs. His political beliefs may you know may be one way, but that's that's independent and separate from his success. Right. And I guess I, 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 I mean, didn't no, mean it. No, when, I, people, when people say, so what people are thinking is, oh, well, you're rich and you got rich because of these beliefs. No, 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 no. You got rich because you had a great idea. You were able to run with the idea and it was extremely successful. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, he stepped in it. So I want to ask everybody on the show and listeners as well, if they'd like to call and comment on it. Why was it Jeff Bezos that figured out to you that figured using Sears model the catalog in their situation as a digital platform why is he the one that that jumped on it and figured how did how did Sears not figure out what the market they had cornered and they just let it slip away because they didn't believe in digital yeah and there was a there was a 10-year overlap between when Jeff was, Bezos yeah. started yep. and when the last Sears catalog was sent out I mean you're right how, how did they miss that man because well, it's an older it's an older corporation. It's run by people that I are guess. outdated and past what they're doing. And if they're not yep, willing to exactly. yield and they don't see the importance of this new Internet thing, right? it's like the talking pictures, Tom. Who's going to go see those? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that's, that's very and true. Color. Yeah, that's Who why need the, color problem, right. the, the problem with older things like older corporations isn't that they're old it's that people get too comfortable being old people they get very comfortable just you know sitting in their chair and consuming the same media every day and never you know they never do anything new or think anything new because and that's what causes things like sears to fail yeah because they don't but the other part of it is they try something new and it could fail too so they don't want to take that risk. Yet. Right. Why break something that's not broken? Or why, why yeah. reinvent the wheel? We're, we're doing well right now. And then by the time they realize, yeah, yeah. and yeah. the bottom drops out, in these cases, in a lot of these ways, you'll see that it's it's not something that's a slow buildup. When people all of a sudden catch on, look at eBay, right? I mean, this guy created eBay right. to trade Pez dispensers for his wife. And all of a sudden, bam, like in a flip of a switch, it became something completely different. And right. and became one of the biggest. And when it, when the bottom drops out on a lot of these corporations, Sears is, is scrambling to figure out how to get back to where they were and believing, well, this is going to correct itself, and people are going to come back to wanting a brick and mortar store and a place to go, and they're going to feel like this. And their parents used it, and their grandparents used it. They're going to use it, and then they realize, oh no, that's not who we are. By then, it's too late to to try to pull out. Yep. That tailspin is, is bringing I- you down. Right, exactly. And I think that's what happened in newspapers. I, so the question I have, first of all, I'll make a statement about, about Craigslist. How all of the newspapers didn't get together and buy Craigslist, I will never understand. Because, um, again, they, it wiped out. Their position the was pop- such that they didn't need to because we're, this is tried and true. People are going to stick with what they know. Oh, and they're so blindsided so by new huh? opportunities. And why didn't Musicland buy Napster? Right. 
Why didn't they? Exactly. Yeah, why did they? Why didn't they buy that as a, a delivery system? They chose not to. They did. They said, "Oh, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't work." Yet, Kodak tried to do the digital photography, and it failed because mm-hmm. there wasn't the profit margin in digital photography that there was in film. Right. Right. So, so here's what I I don't understand. Why doesn't? And I know there there are places like Jet, which are nowhere near as big as Amazon. Why doesn't Amazon have any competition? Why doesn't Craigslist have any competition? Why don't these places have competition? Because you don't need two of the same thing. But you could certainly go after. Well, maybe they're just too big to go after. Well, and it's not right. I think it's not that they don't. There is other competition that exists out there, but you don't hear about Mm -hmm. them. Because here's the mindset that Sears had right. Once you were comfortable with something, that's where you go. And when you think of this, you think of Craigslist. When you think of tissue paper, you think of Kleenex. When you think of uh, bandages, you think of Band-Aid, right? That's that's not... Yeah, you do. That's it, it's true. a title. It becomes that's what's known. When you want something, you go to Craigslist. Yeah. When you when you want tickets, you go to Ticketmaster. Then you've got companies like StubHub and GeekSeat and these other that are slowly taking a portion right. of that, right. but it takes a while to build. And I think a lot of the reason, especially in the beginning of this digital age deal, look at, um, what was it, 10 years ago when all the dot-coms were blowing up, and then a year later, mm-hmm. one dot com advertised in the Super Bowl. All the rest had crashed and burned. I think companies like Sears yes. and Pennies and Marshalls they sat back and they said, "Look at this! Look at this turn! We don't have to worry about the dot com market. Look at how these companies are Weird going in and out yeah. of style." Yeah. And then they're gone. And then you've got companies that are upstarts and they're trying to get in, and and you know they just they don't take footing. Again, you can take it to any one of these deals. Why did Betamax fail and VHS succeed? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, why does no, one okay. thing explode and the other thing just just goes away? Why not? Why Facebook and not Friendster? What is that yeah, one well, twist of the screw that made them head and shoulders above everybody else? Although I'm glad that MySpace stuck around long enough because it's a banned site now, pretty much. But I'm glad they stuck around long enough so they could tell the joke on TV. Uh, a guy who was completely out of touch said, you know, I think I might get an account on my face. <laughs> my space and Facebook together. My face. Now That's we're right. talking. We'll be right back. We'll talk about this. this is an interesting conversation. I like this conversation. Be right back, Tom Bernard Show. If you've noticed your vision getting cloudy, blurry, or dim, or having more difficulty seeing at night, you could have cataracts. Tom here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they do much more? They do, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age where my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Of course, Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology and vision options available, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you've been told you have cataracts or you're wondering why things just aren't as clear as they used to be, call the experts at Whiting Clinic or go to whitingclinic.com to learn more. See the folks at Whiting Clinic in order to see your very best. And don't forget to tell them that I sent you. This is Tom, and I've been telling you how easy it has been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. My goal has been to lose 92.5 pounds. Well, I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and I can't wait to shed those extra unwanted pounds. Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss program. It's just so easy, and they guarantee that you will lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. The team at Nutramost in Plymouth will support you every step of the way on your wellness and weight loss journey. Then, after you hit your goal, Nutramost in Plymouth is there for you with the Nutramost Forever Plan. 
an all-inclusive wellness program that improves and promotes healthy living and choices. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost Plymouth, located just off Highway 55 and 494. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Baby, you're a rich man. Baby, you're a rich man. Baby, you're a rich man too. You're still playing Beatles music for George? Yeah. I just like the Beatles. Nah, I do too. There are people who, you know what? Tim Laudner does not like the Beatles. Isn't that weird? Get a rope. Get a, Get a rope. What, what, is, does he not there, like the Beatles or he prefers something else? He just hates the Beatles. Huh. I, don't, I don't know why he hates the Beatles, but he just doesn't like the Beatles. Hmm. Uh, I, and I don't understand that. I have no idea why. So we have a caller. But... Uh, Who's our caller? Wendy. Oh, I thought it was Jeff Bezos. <laughs> no, not Wendy, quite. what's up? Um, well, I was listening to the conversation, and you guys are absolutely right. I mean, in, in order for something new to stick, Jeff Bezos, I mean, basically he he had a plan that, you know, probably a lot of other people had, but he had the, the guts to take the leap. He had the vision and mm-hmm. the guts to take the leap to see where he wanted to be. Because I used to work at a uh, photo finishing company, Ritz Camera, I can say it because they're not around anymore. Um, and before I left for the job I have now, I, David, the David Ritz, you know, came through the store, and we were talking, and I said, you know, are we going to get more of this? Uh, uh, are we going to get more of this uh, digital camera stuff? I said, this is going to be where it's really going to go. I said, we're not going to be doing film one day. And he says, well, what would you do? I said, well, I'd get a lot more of these self-serve kiosks that we're starting to see because there are a lot of people who just don't want to do their pictures themselves. I said, they would still keep coming. I said, but you need to evolve. Well, they never did until it was too late, and then they tried to, and they just don't exist anymore. God, isn't that just an, All of those things, is it's, it's so amazing in my lifetime that – that Eastman Kodak pretty much disappeared. I know, it's really sad. They owned it. You know, it's, yeah, they th- owned it. Wendy, I think you did point something out, is that Sears, uh, uh, J.C. Penney's, they had everything to lose by trying something. Jeff Bezos, at the time, was young, had nothing to lose because this was this upstart mm-hmm. company. There was nothing to lose. He had really, relative to the world, no risk. Mm-hmm. Right. That you know, it was risk, but it wasn't like you know, a if whole company. If it and it failed, it was like, oh, yeah, well, okay, well, let's on to the next thing. Yep, there you go. So he had nothing, and he, he was a fast-moving target because he was just so small. Big company like that. Well, we have to appoint a committee to study the problem. Well, yeah, and I think some of the big companies like that, I think they they wait too long to try to implement the change, and by the time they try to implement even a small change it's too late and they're losing money and laying off people left and right. I mean, retail is tricky. You have to like stick with, you have to know your customer base. Well, and there's many more organizations deal with what we call uh, in sales uh, paralysis of analysis. Absolutely. You spend too much time thinking and not enough time acting. And then by the time you want to make that move, it's gone. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I I saw it happen far too many times. I mean, and when I was in when I was in school in my management class, we did a lot of uh, we did a lot of papers, you know, review case studies and that. And it's it's like you know I've seen it in the business world for many years. I mean, if you don't if you're not ready to take the chance at something new, you're going to be left behind. Maybe I don't think there's any question about it. Well, I, I, not I t- not all of them, but some of them. Because I mean, the way the oh god, I'm going to sound old. Kids these days, um, the kids way they these see days. Them, I know, I know. When my nephew asked me what a what a 45 was, I almost got apoplectic. It's like, what do you mean you don't know what a 45 <laughs> is? <sighs> but it's you, you know, you kind of have to like figure out what the kids want. I mean, that's if you can figure out what your customers want, you will do well all the time. Now, I have a question for you, a business question. Mm-hmm. Because Wendy, you know a lot about business. You guys, you all know a lot about business. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, the, the, the market uh, corrected and then it popped back up again and now it's down 192 points today because uh, uh, Powell uh, signals Fed will keep raising rates to contain inflation. Right mm-hmm. now, you wouldn't think it, normally that would be a big deal that they raise rates, but but you keep and I don't remember hearing this, and maybe I just wasn't paying attention, you know, twenty, thirty years ago. But what you hear over and over and over is the market gets hurt when they raise rates because borrowing money costs a lot more than it just did because rates went up. But the the, the disturbing thing for me in that whole deal is. Why are so many people who drive the market borrowing money to invest anyway? Because that that's the, what leverage is. Exactly. So that it's just all about leverage. Yeah. It's just all about leverage. Yep, it takes money but, to make money. But it, yeah, but if you don't have it, how do you keep making it? That's if you have you, to borrow it. You you borrow it. That's how you it takes it to make it. Well, if you don't have it, you borrow oh, it. Man. Well, basically, you know, even if the rates go up to ten percent. If you can't make 10% back on your money, then your idea was crappy to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the there you go. It's basically like Vegas sometimes. It's like you stand at the it table is, yes. with a bag full of money going, oh, you know, I know it's going to make it this time. I know it's going to make it this time. Snake eyes, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. my, my parents own a business, and, uh, you know, my dad just, he, he knows better. He said, you know, it, it, some of the stuff is stupid. He says, you don't want to... You know, you don't want to spend all this money on something that you are. It's guaranteed it's not going to work or it's real, like, the market is, like, it's dependent on the market. He says, you know, build something solid and take chances when you have something solid. Now, how much of it is luck in all these businesses? How much much of it is luck? There is a certain percentage of it because in knowing your customers, you have to know what they want. And sometimes, mm-hmm. especially with social media, it changes so fast you can hardly keep up. Yeah, but when you when well, you that's the whole problem. Yeah, when you there has to be an element of luck or success, you know, mm-hmm. in, in being you know Jeff Bezos had the right idea at the right time mm-hmm. for it to fly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, exactly. And, and there are many things that come that have to come together at in, at those times. For things to be um, wildly successful like that, I mean, not unlike Microsoft. Microsoft, uh, their idea was that they had the software. IBM was selling software. Microsoft licensed it. Different yep. model. It was what was needed, and then along, along with the computer clones and things like that, they, then they took off. It was the right time, right place, right space. So, um, yeah, it, a lot of the stars got aligned just right. 
Oh, and you hear how many inventors yeah, could, have, have been on that precipice where they get an idea and they didn't have the funding, they didn't have the time, they didn't have the gumption, whatever their their reality was, and all of a sudden, six months later, somebody else has got it and it's exploded and they sit there kicking themselves. And it's just the fact the ideas exist. And it's just who has the, you know, as, as Ralph was saying, really, uh, Bezos had nothing to lose at the time. All he was doing was creating something, and it wasn't even something new. He was, in, and that's what most popular right. things are. It's taking something that already exists Given it a, a quarter, you know, turn of the screw, and making just something different enough that it's new to more people, and and then making that available, and and that's what the difference really can be, and well, then yeah. finding a nice way to package it to people. I mean, look at a lot of these technology, like Apple, and I mean, a lot of startups in a garage, you know, but they had the drive, they had, they just knew that this was going to work. And they didn't want to let any, you know, nothing was going to get in their way. Nobody telling them no was going to get in their way. They made it work. I mean, they took the leap. But Apple, with the Apple, tried the uh, a tablet kind of computer, mm-hmm. small device with the Newton. They tried that, and that was was it five or ten years before the iPhone. Yeah, they've been making tablets and lap. They made laptops for years before laptops became popular. They made tablets for years. Everything popular has been around before it got popular. It just, at some specific point in time, which is all luck-based, you know, that thing will suddenly become popular. But the Newton failed. It failed. It was. It was. It was. was It's an. It's a legacy kind of item that no one ever used. It failed. And it wasn't until an Apple brought up the iPhone, a complete redesign, at the right time when technology and battery technology had all caught up. Mm-hmm. So, so many things have to come together right at the right time. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, it's absolutely. interesting you guys are talking about that. In my own life, I was just thinking about this. I was, you know, in my own life, um, I was sitting in New York at 20th Street and 2nd Avenue. Catherine called me and said we were going to have a baby. It turned out to be Andy. I said, well, we probably can't raise a baby in Manhattan, so I should maybe move back home and just do voiceover from there. I hang up the phone. The phone rings. It's Dave Hamilton saying, hey, do you want to, you want to, come, you want to get back into radio? I said, really? I don't know. Why? He goes, well, the morning show's open at KQRS, and if you'd like to do radio, we'd love to hire you. And I thought, well, you know, I could do it for a few months. And he goes, yeah, if you just do it for six months, that'd be great. So I came back on April 17th. Of 1986 and started doing the KQ Morning Show. And I, I, I do remember this after about a month, because I said I'd stay for about six months. And after about a month, the general manager went to Dave Hamilton and said, everyone hates this guy. He's very opinionated and he, he's not cheerful at all. He's not, he's not a radio guy. I think we should get rid of him. And Dave said, well, he's only been on for a month. He said, yeah, I know, but everybody I talk to just hates him because he just he's so negative and cocky, and he says negative things about people, and he Nothing's takes changed. shots at people. Uh, so but Dave broke, said, Ralph, well, what, <clears throat> why don't we go out? Why don't we wait until the first ratings come out, and then if, he, if his ratings don't go up, then we'll fire him. Okay? So I'm there 90 days. So I'm there three whole months, about half as long as I thought I was going to stay there. And the ratings came out, and we went from a 5 share to a 9.5 share, almost doubled the ratings. If that hadn't happened, I would have been fired that day. The morning show would have never happened. So how much do you think that kind of thing figures into it? Because nobody saw that success coming. 
except for maybe Dave Hamilton. Yeah, what? I think I think you did too. I mean, I mean, you know, Dave knew that you were the person that could make it happen, and you know, I mean, everything falling into place at the right time—that that really is just dumb luck. But I mean, it was just everybody was convinced that show was going to fail miserably. No one saw those ratings almost doubling. But you wanted to um, prove wrong, so, didn't you? Was that? You were going to prove them wrong, though. Well, yeah, that, I do have that in my personality, don't I? Yeah, my. Really? Uh, I come from a family of people <laughs> like that. It's like uh, if you if you think I can't, just watch me do it. Yeah, you don't want to tell somebody you can't do that. You're absolutely right about that. Telling someone, oh, that'll that'll never work, and you can't do it. Oh, by the way, the market's rebounding a little bit. It just rebounded about thirty points. So, yeah, you can't stress I don't know. Out it's about it like that because everything goes up, comes you know, no. everything that goes down comes back up again. You know. It does. You're absolutely right. But unless the, you're serious. The level that it came up. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're serious. Yeah, I suppose that's probably true. I just didn't think people saw Did you see 2017 happening in the stock market? God, I had no idea that was going to happen. I honestly thought it would go the other way. Well, a lot of people did. A lot of people thought it dropped I mean, like a rock. I mean, not that I wanted it to. Well, well, not did, that I was hoping about it. But did you, know. you did you worry about that? Was that in November you were worried about it going the other way? Beginning of November uh, 2016? I never worry. Oh. I mean, I just, just like, <laughs> I mean, it's I, like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I can't control it. Right. I can just control my little corner. And I really, mm. you know, I mean, some of the stuff that he's trying to do, I mean, you know, has good foundations. He's just got to get the hell off Twitter. I, I couldn't agree more. Get off Twitter. That'd be good. How about no more Twitter? Uh, Wrap it I think up. that would be a great idea. I don't really use it, so it's like, yeah. I've read it, and it just makes no sense. I really don't care for for him getting up in front of people. I don't hate Donald Trump. It's like I didn't hate Barack Obama, but I don't like right. either one of them. Right. Uh, I didn't hate them, though. But when he got up yesterday and started saying, I would have gone into that building even if I didn't have a gun. It's like, uh, why are you even saying that? I know. I just kind of Don't cringed. even say things like that. I was doing the dishes I know, when I heard that, even. and I just kind of cringed. It's like, yeah, you would have, huh? <laughs> or, or or maybe that, that, that rhetoric, you know, is a sign of leadership. Right. I mean, that's the way to look. Another way to look at it is that that's yeah, a way to say, you know, maybe, you know, you should go in there with a club, go in there with every guy. You got to save these kids. You know, you have to have yeah, some spine I'll, to save I'll these kids. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But you're right. It's, I don't know that he would gone, gone in barehanded to fight this guy. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying not to convinced. picture that. And right, but not coming up with talk it. about a no-win situation. And I'm exactly. not taking a side yeah, either absolutely. way with Donald Trump. Oh, no. What do you say in that situation? Do you go, oh, I don't blame that cop, man. I'd have been hiding in the bathroom, which would have torn him apart. Or do you say, I'd have gone in there. That's what the that's what your country wants to hear is yeah, I would have led the go. battle cry. Yep. I think where his his issue came was wording. It, instead of, well, I'm Usually sure is, I would yeah. have done it. How about maybe if it would you know, if I would have been in that situation, you know, yeah. I I I like I like to think that I would have gone in and made a difference. Yeah, but that okay. I, it's just a little wording because I mean the way he did it, it's like yeah. He would have been it's, beat up for saying that, too. Exactly. But, I mean, it just sounded more bravado <laughs> versus, you know. There are so many things he could do differently just to get where he wants to go. It's like, God, quit being a jerk. Just, I mean, Well, he like, is president, and all presidents are jerks. The, oh, is, yeah, there, uh, is there a president that hasn't been a jerk? Well, uh, think about no. That? You, right. Tom, there's a series that you need to see on DVD. It's by, I think it's by the History Channel, and it's all about the presidents. 
we mm-hmm. a friend of mine had me watch a couple episodes on it. You're going to find out mm-hmm. things you never realized about the president's new, like, holy crap, he did that. They're like all psychopaths. Kids. That's the they're, problem. They're weird. I mean, and there was, there was a couple weird. of them. I forget which one this is, uh, was, but his, his, he had tremendous loss, like, right before and right right before his inauguration. Like, he mm-hmm. lost his son in a train accident. He died right in front of him. Oh, God. I know. So it's like there's we got to take a break. Cool. Hold on one second. We have to take a break. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. And while other sellers and real estate agents hibernate, the Chris Lindahl team is selling homes like hotcakes. Chris has done a great job. We have our house on the market with Chris right now, as a matter of fact. And the video he did is amazing. The Chris Lindahl team is America's number one REMAX results team for a reason. They play to win, and they've got the skilled players to sell your home fast. In fact, they sell a home on average every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You know, what's interesting about this job is that as we go through the, the show... I go to all these different news sites, all these different websites. I check for the latest uh, news, and we get on different subjects. And while we were on that subject talking about presidents, and they're not all psychopaths. Some of them are just sociopaths, which is a little better, I guess. Do you think? Do you agree with that? That they're not all psychopaths? Yes. Oh, they're so- I think they're sociopaths. Like they are sociopaths. Sociopathy definitely. associated with all of them. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, why, yeah. that's why the infidelity and all of the... Uh, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think it is pretty fascinating. Well, as a matter of fact, while we were talking, while Wendy was talking, I went to the StarTribune.com website, which I uh, you know, hadn't done in the previous two hours. And the story came out a couple hours ago. Monica Lewinsky says the affair that led to impeachment proceedings against President Bill Clinton was not sexual assault, but con- constituted a gross abuse of power. Lewinsky writes in the March issue of Vanity Fair that she is in awe of the sheer courage of women who have been confronting entrenched beliefs and institutions. The former White House intern says she was recently moved to tears when a leader of the hashtag MeToo movement told her, I'm so sorry you were so alone. Lewinsky says she's been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress from being publicly outed and ostracized and lauds the hashtag MeToo movement for providing the safety that comes from solidarity. There's a long, long article about Monica Lewinsky and how Bill Clinton abused his position with her. That's exactly what I said. 
That's exactly what yeah. I said at the time is that, yes, he can have extramarital affairs. If that's the arrangement with his wife, that's mm-hmm. okay. But when you have someone who's an underling or, or someone who is uh, learning from you, it is unacceptable to accept any kind of advance from that person. You're, you're not in a leadership position. You're not teaching them the correct behavior. That is the most despicable thing in the world. Despicable. Yeah. It's true. He was my boss. He was the most powerful man on the planet. He was 27 years my senior with enough life experience to know better. He was at the time at the pinnacle of his career while I was in my first job out of college. Lewinsky added, none of the above excuses me for my responsibility for what happened. I meet regret every day. So she didn't try to walk away from her her responsibility That's for, good for allowing him to do that. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. But but it, it, um, at that age and in that position, she I don't know that she has that much responsibility. She's trusting someone to guide her and teach her about how uh, proper etiquette and uh, conduct is, is done. And she never should have been, been in that position, period. I don't care what she did, what she said. Yeah. I don't care. He should have said, that's not acceptable behavior. We can't have that. I'm sorry you're going to have to leave. Done. This is one of, the com- one of the comments to the article. Only in Minnesota would Monica Lewinsky receive so many negative comments, how she was 24, college educated, knew what she was doing, her fault for engaging a married man, absolutely unbelievable, yet post an article about Trump's affairs and the bandwagon would lose a wheel so many people would jump on board. Uh, then Gary says, baloney, she knew exactly what she was doing. She does a disservice to to the Me Too movement, Nathan Hale, that Nathan Hale, how's he doing? <laughs> Using your Ouija position board for that one or someone. what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Using your position of power over someone to extract sexual favors from an impressionable young intern in the workplace is the very definition of sexual harassment and abuse. Any chief executive in any company in America would have fired him immediately. Uh, and then whoop de doo says, and so it continues. It goes on and on and on. Uh, one more. J.D. Uh, J.D.L. Ellis the first, or J.D.L. Ellis one. It always amazed me how, according to first lady and subsequent candidate Clinton, the rumors of her husband having an affair were the result of a vast right wing conspiracy. As a fact, I have a videotape of the press release. The relevancy to this article is how it amazes me that the woman who spoke of supporting women overlooked the obvious behavior of her own husband, who, by the way, I felt was a good president. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, that comment is the only one flagged by the Star Tribune as report is inappropriate. The, The other ones are not flagged. Why would they flag that one? They no. said, they, they, uh, if I had to guess, I'd say it's because you have your mouse over it. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it might be right. <laughs> Way to go, Andy. So we have a caller. I can't believe... Oh, do we do have a caller? Yeah, we have Magoo. Magoo, what's up? Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. What's going on, Magoo? Well, I uh, was down here. I'm down in Laredo, Texas, you know. And I delivered my Jenny O' Turkey... They sent me a reload, and I go to this warehouse, which is uh, a staging, you know, the Mexican trucks bring over stuff, and they drop yeah. it off, and then the Mexican trucks got to go back, and then us Americans come and pick it up. I go walking into this warehouse to check in, and it's about the size of two Walmarts. 
I round the corner and I just start giggling. It is nothing but Mexican Coca-Cola. Oh man, the best ever. I know. It is I, the best of I ever. was laughing when it was up there. He goes, What's so funny? I go, Well, I just know a guy who's a Hall of Famer that, you know, he just set up a beach chair in here and he'd be in hog heaven. <laughs> Mexican Coca-Cola has real cane sugar in it. That's why it's so damn good. Yeah, I can't. Uh, that's yeah. why I don't buy cases of stuff like that because I know I would just drink it all. <laughs> and you'd have no teeth left. Yeah, not well, good for you. Well, I'm loading up a whole load of it and I'm bringing it back. So this this loads for you, Tommy. It's, it's just it's so crazy to think that these. Like what, dollar fifty bottles? It's profitable to make them three thousand miles away, and then have someone drive them in a truck for it's got to be a forty-hour drive back and forth, and yet somehow that's still profitable. Fifteen hundred miles at an average of uh, this load's paying probably my company three to four thousand dollars. So and Coca-Cola, yeah, that's crazy. these are in gold. These are in glass bottles. Yeah, so, so they're heavy. Gonna, they're going to be heavier than the plastic bottles. What? So I can yeah. haul less yeah. of it, but it'll be probably 20 pallets um, and bring it back up there. Well, so, don't kid yourself. No matter whether it's made with f- false sweetener or sugar, it still costs them about a nickel to make every, every bottle of uh, Coke. The only cost in it is probably the glass for them. Yeah, but they'd make way oh, more money if they just made it. Why don't they just make it here? Yeah, seriously. The amount of gas that it takes. I mean, you must have to pay at least, what, $300 in gas every trip? Yeah, and we have we have so much sugar uh-huh. here. We have the sugar beet sugar. It's here. You don't have to truck I that get, in. Right. I get 6.5 miles to the gallon with this load here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, wait. Uh, so, 1,500 miles oh, divided man. by 6.5. Yeah. Let's see. Here, here's, so, 230 here's gallons. Here, here's my fuel from... Coming out of uh, you know Duluth Superior, uh, I filled mm-hmm. up and it was 115 gallons, 339 dollars. 152 gallons, 439 dollars. Um, so it's you're roughly right around a thousand bucks because I'm gonna I'm on empty now, yeah. so I'm gonna fill up on my way back up. So it's about a thousand bucks in fuel for uh, me to bring it up there. You know, yeah. Just do not drink all of the Mexican Coca-Cola before you get it here. No, I even asked him, if you have any spillage, I'll put it in my cab. I know a guy that'll take it off your hands. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Magoo. Think of others. Think of others. Your altruism underwhelms us. All right, well, yeah, I just figured you'd really like to hear that tidbit. Uh, Oh, I appreciate it, Magoo. Thanks for thinking of me and Mexican Coca-Cola. All right, bye-bye, guys. Great show. Take it easy. Thank you, sir. Uh, Magoo always calling. He says, spending a thousand bucks to haul Coca Cola back and forth. Well, yeah, I just did the math at 6.5 miles a gallon, 1,500 miles. That's $580 in gas right there. And that's one way. That's one way. Yeah. He said it'd be about a thousand bucks, but it'd actually be about 1,200, closer to 1,200. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that's such a huge amount of waste that it, you'd think it would be yeah. really easy. Just, like, have the syrup, tank the syrup up over here, and then make the bottles here. Right. That would be a thousand times more efficient. But my but my point is, is you don't need to do that with, well, the, I mean, the syrup you could tank, but the sweetener's here. 
they grow sugar. It's a, no. it's a, it's a, it's a it's it's marketing. product. Here, here's what they're doing. It's marketing 101. Make something that is right. And I understand what you're saying, Ralph, but if you give the perception that it's taking place over yeah. here, it's all smoke and mirrors. Now people want to pay for it and they'll pay a premium. And it's costing them, the, truthfully, it's going to cost them the same amount of money to make that Coke either side of the border. And they're probably making a higher right. profit margin on the Mexican Coke than they're making on the American Coke. Eastbound and down. That's right. So it's all it's all yeah. probably true. marketable. It's just the way you play it. And if you make something seem, oh, well, it's you know what? They're doing it in Mexico, so there's not all the extra chemicals and additives that are a part of this. Plus, we're getting pure cane sugar. We're not getting that stevia crap. We're not getting the fake sweeteners. Yeah. We're getting the real deal. Right. They're they're goosing us the whole time. They know what they're doing. It's just a it's a and we think would make more sense to make over here. But if we made it over here, we'd take it for granted. And we wouldn't want it. People are like weird it. lemmings. People are really weird lemmings that way. Yeah, I just I just find it very very interesting that I revealed my hand on the air, which is it fascinates me actually. I proved on the air that I never comment on stories in newspapers. Because if I did, I would know that my mouse would have to be over the story to report it as inappropriate. <laughs> I just don't do that stuff. I don't comment on stories in newspapers. I read them and I move on. Yeah, I'm just familiar with web design. That's yeah. They hide a lot of elements unless you mouse over them so it doesn't clutter up the screen. I see. Well, like I said, just proof now that if I ever if I ever do report anything as inappropriate, I'll I'll know all I have to do is put my mouth the mouse over the story and I'll be good to go. The problem <laughs> with that, of course, is that if you're reading it on a phone, I mean, the element is still there. You just can't see it. Right, so if right. you tap on the uh, comment for whatever reason, and you happen to tap where that invisible text is, then you just clicked on the text, and now you're like, no, I don't want to report this. So you have to back out, and it's I don't know. Smartphone design for uh, websites is, I don't like it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Everything is based on smartphones now, and smartphones are not a good way to browse the internet. I suppose that's probably true. A lot of good stuff on the show today. We talked about a lot of interesting subjects, covered a lot of things. Uh, oh, you know what? I was going to go check on your uh, polar plunge one more time before we left here. I got to get that. You know, I have a certain responsibility now. I appreciate that. And if, if any of the listeners you are know. interested in helping us raise money for the polar plunge and the Special Olympics, go to darknessradio.com. Click on the polar plunge 2018, and you can make a donation. I'll be doing the leap this Saturday morning at about 830 in the morning here in cold Minnesota. That'll be wonderful. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow on the Tom Bernard Show. 